Hello, hello, we back, baby. Episode 5, back from back from a, a very eventful weekend, mind you. A very eventful weekend in the Motor City here. We have a lot to talk about. Um, going through, we have the Tigers finally signed Jonathan Scope, which we kind of assumed would happen, but finally actually happened. Uh, so we can talk about that. And then the future of the second base position, really, for the team. Uh, the Pistons made a trade. We talk about Derrick Rose officially going back to the Mecca, back to to New York. So we can talk about that return. Uh, the Wings played probably the best hockey game they've played in what you could probably argue is a year and a half <laughs> to two years. Um, they looked fantastic. Uh, and then the Lions, we have uh, Calvin in the Hall of Fame, some more Stafford Rams stuff, uh, some trades that were offered are starting to come out, and then obviously the Super Bowl. Um, so, quite a bit to talk about, quite an eventful weekend in sports in general, and specifically even, you know, it makes my life a lot easier when even when we're not playing games, uh, we still have plenty to talk about across all four teams. So that is Amazing. Welcome to the Bentley Show, episode five. I am your host, Scott Bentley. Um, let's just get right into it. No more no more stuff to talk about at the beginning, man. Let's just get right into it. First up, the Detroit Baseball Tigers. Yes, the Detroit Baseball Tigers. Uh re-signed Jonathan Scope to a one-year, four and a half million dollar deal. Uh, you can go on my Twitter and watch my video reaction to this signing. It'll pr- I'm going to reiterate a lot of those points, but this is an hour-long show, and on Twitter, my videos are two and a half minutes long, not even. So, uh, I get a lot more room to talk here. Uh, basically, my opinion of this is, is uh, like, sure, you know, why not? Why not? Uh not going to hate on it. I don't think it's ridiculous. I don't think it's stupid or horrible by any means. Um, but it's, it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get giddy and, and, and run around the neighborhood because of Jonathan scope. That's also not going to happen. So, so here's my thing. Let, the second base position is a weird one on this team. Admittedly, it's a weird situation we have going on uh, at second base. So Jonathan Scope comes in. He's going to be the starter for this year. He also, they hinted at him possibly playing first base, which, okay. He hasn't played a professional game at first. We'll start with that. He's built like a first baseman, I guess, like, some some second basemen are built like middle infielders, right? I would say probably most second basemen are built like like middle infielders. Like you know, you have a good enough range you can play second or, or I don't know, short's kind of a, a premier position, but maybe like second to third is kind of common. Um, you don't really see a second base to first base flip very often at all. So that's interesting for starters uh but but he is you know he definitely doesn't have the range or defensive ability to play short or third so so or outfield heaven forbid so 
third first rather is definitely you know he the quote was he him and AJ Hinch talked about his defensive versatility and what he brings to the table as far as um, different positions he can play. It ha- by process of elimination, it just has to be first base. It, it has to be. There's no way AJ Hinch is about to tell this dude he can play shortstop. That is just not happening. And the third base is kind of log jammed, to be honest with you. So there's no way uh, they're moving third him to third in an organization that that has quite a few third basemen um, coming up through the system in the high levels or just flat out in the majors. So um, it, it has to be first. It has to be first. Now, uh, there's a f- it's weird. This this is so weird. This organization has to make even the smallest things ridiculous. Um, I'll, I'll reiterate. I'll reiterate my video really quick before we move on to to how the infield and how second base in particular is going to look in the future. This is this is like fine, but like again, I, I'm not I'm not. We didn't have a second baseman as of three days ago. Before we signed him Friday, we did not have a second baseman. Um, Isak Paredes is amazing, and I love him, and I think the world of him. I think the future is very bright for him. I think it's pretty clear that everyone agrees that he is not ready to be an everyday starting second baseman at the major league level. I think odds are pretty good he starts the season in the minors um, and gets some reps in at second there. And then we only signed Paredes to a one-year deal, or scope rather to a one-year deal. Maybe if we he does well enough, we can flip him at the deadline or something. Paredes can come up in the second half. Also, we he doesn't even need, it's not a dire need for him to come up and get, he's 21. Like people kind of forget how, how young he is sometimes, so. It's not a dire must-have. It's not like this dude's been in the minors six years. And we're like, okay, stop with the service time crap. Let's finally call him up. Geez, like he is still 21. Um, so he just needs to, some reps at second. Uh, and because, again, third base is log jammed. Paredes doesn't really have a spot there. And he's not good enough to play shortstop at the major league level. So if you want to find a spot for him, you're going to have to teach him how to play second. Because that is wide open. Because again, before we signed Scope, we literally didn't have one. The the only other person even in consideration for this would be, I guess, Willie Castro. Uh, Willie Castro hit very well last year, got fourth place, I believe, for AL Rookie of the Year. And he should have been higher. He shouldn't have won it. Kyle Lewis absolutely deserved to win it. But he probably should have been second, if, if we're being completely honest. Um, he had an incredible year at the plate. That being said, he is a horrid defender. Like... Horrible, like in 30 games, pushed like negative 10 DRS. Like that's defensive run saves for for those who aren't analytically baseball inclined, um, and that's really bad. Especially again for like 32 games, having a negative eight defensive run saves is pretty impressively horrible, actually. Um, so. <laughs> He, he is not the shortstop of the future. There's no way. There's no way Willie Castro... Now, also with Willie, he gets interesting because he hit really well. But if you look at the advanced analytics, it appears that he hit really well and had like the luckiest season in the history of baseball. That's a slight exaggeration. But he was incredibly lucky by the looks of it. Um, 
if, if you look at stats that kind of help you project how a player is going to, to play in the future or how well a, a player is going to improve or if they're going to take a step forward or regress, uh, all of his advanced numbers say that he, he, in theory, should regress a ton. And he got super lucky. And um, he's not nearly as good as the ridiculous like 950 OPS or whatever he put up in, in uh, 2020. So, already kind of shaky when it when it comes to the future of the bat. But adding on top of it how horrible of a defender he is. Uh, I guess you could try him at second. Second's easier than short and is not as much of a pr- premier position. But... Uh, it's still middle of the infield, so uh, I find it hard to believe that if you're horrible at shortstop that you just become a good defensive second baseman. He doesn't even need to be good. He just needs to be like net zero. If he can just be mediocre and hit the way he did last year, he'll be a fine major leaguer. But um, yeah, Willie, that's really the only other person that's even in consideration to play second before we got scope. The organization still has a massive love for Cody Clemens for some reason. Uh, Cody Clemens was drafted in the second round a couple of years ago out of Texas. Uh, I believe he's Roger Clemens' son. He's definitely related somehow because it was talked about on draft night. I'm pretty sure he's his son. Um, anyway, did really well his his junior year of, at Texas, like incredibly well. Hit the cover off the ball. Got drafted by us in the second round. Um, and has really not done incredible. I mean, he's slowly moving up through the system, but he's like 25 now because he was drafted again, like out of college, and that was three years ago. So he's like 25. Uh, and in like single A, he's OPSing like 730, 750. Uh, you know, that's not... That's nothing. That's not a, a guy you look at and you're like, damn, this dude's going to be a good major. And the thing is, he's bat first as well. Cody Clemens is not some, oh, he's not Colton Wong, who the Tigers should have signed, by the way. He's not Colton Wong. He's not, he's not, you know, average hitter that is a, is a massive plus defender. Like Cody Clemens is, is supposed to be, like just good enough to pass defensively and gonna rake, and he's OPSing sub 750 in single A. So, but the organization still loves him, so he's gonna keep getting opportunities apparently. Um, so what does all this mean? Uh, basically, it means that I didn't really care that it was scope or not. I really wasn't like, oh, yay, we got scope back. But I am glad that they at least addressed second base because it was empty and we didn't have anyone to play the position. So that's good at least. At a minimum, they signed someone we needed. Uh, that being said, um, Jonathan Scope is, is – is, uh, I think the phrase I used in my video was smart kid in a dumb class. Like, he is he – is, not some world beater that this fan base has made him out to be. He is actually like pretty mediocre. It's just that this this is a testament to how bad we are. This fa- this franchise is so bad. This major league team is so horrible that I do with a sub 300 on base percentage. Sub 300 OBP is like one of the worst at drawing walks in baseball and uh was on pace to hit like low to mid 20 homers last year if it was a full 162 
Um, that guy is like some world beater, one of the best players on the team. People always, when, when I said, when people have been asking me this for the last couple of months about if we should bring him back, and I've always responded with like, whatever, like, sure, I guess. We need to sign a second baseman, so I, I don't really care if it's him or not, but I guess. People free, and they're like, oh, he was one of our best players. How could you say that? Yeah, he was one of our best players because we are horrible, not because he's that good. Look at his baseball savant page, man. It's a whole lot of blue. It's a whole lot of blue. He's really not that good. He didn't even OPS 800 this year. He had a sub 800 OPS and a sub 300 OBP. I promise he's not that good. Um, but, again, I, I, I'm not trying to say that I hate the signing. We have a second baseman now. We didn't have one at the start of the weekend. So, like, you know, props. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm happy that, that we at least have one. Um, just to wrap up here, like I said, the second base position is, is weird now. Scope is definitely not a long-term solution. Um, again, I know he looks like he's incredible because he's playing alongside a bunch of trash cans. If you put... Jonathan Scope on the 2010 to 2014 teams, he would have been one of the worst players on the team. Okay, it's just again a testament to how bad this team is. Not that Jonathan Scope's anything special because he's really not. Um, so he's not the long-term solution at second. Willie is going to get some looks, I would imagine, with how well he hit last year. He's going to get some looks, whether it's at short or second or both. Um, Again, I don't think Cody Clemens will ever be relevant at the major league level. But the organization still loves him, man. McCoskey and Lynn Henning have both, recently and in previous years, just every offseason, talk about how much the organization loves him. And, and Henning had a tweet a couple of days ago where he said um, that the organization is still praying that he's the second baseman of the future and that he takes a big leap forward, like, Oh, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. He's not that good. Um, second base is just weak. So is shortstop. Just weak in this organization. Um, we'll get the shortstop another time because it's February 8th and I still don't know who even is going to be our short. I would guess Nico, I guess, but I don't even know who the shortstop is really. Um, so the, the biggest thing is going to be what they do with Paredes. I don't understand why... He wasn't moved to second base like a year ago. I mean, if you were insistent on drafting Torkelson as a third baseman and you have Candy, like you kind of have a log jam there at third now. I don't understand why you're keeping Paredes at third base. He's not that good of a third baseman. Like definitely not good enough to, to be like, oh, you're in competition with these three guys. Um, I think it makes way more sense to move him to second. He's played professional games at second. He's a decent defender at second. Um, so I'm praying that when he starts the season in AAA this year, that he does so playing second base, and they just don't keep lit, you know throwing him out there at third and being like, oh, we'll figure it out when the time comes. No, you have a log jam at third, and you have no one, literally no one at second it makes no sense to not put him at second base to start off the year in triple a no sense please please be a competent organization for one time in my life be competent 
There is no argument against putting him anywhere besides second at AAA to start off the season. None. None. All right. The Detroit Basketball Pistons. Derrick Rose has officially been traded. D. Rose is gone. Um, obviously, I uh, wish him nothing but the best, man. One of the one of the biggest uh, fan favorites for anywhere he goes, man. Just a just a just a hooper. Just a guy that no matter where he goes, the rest of his career, you know. What an incredible career, and what a devastating career, and and everything in between. Um, so obviously, wish him nothing but the best, and and hope that uh, that he can he can do some with the Knicks. This is his his second time playing in the Mecca, so hopefully this time goes better than the first time. Uh, as you know, we all remember that. Um, the trade itself, okay, Derek, amazing person. Um, just like I said, no matter where he goes, he, he's a fan favorite. There's a, there's a cult following for him of, of people that just become fans of whatever team he's on. And you know, the, when he dropped 50 and had, I worked my ass off for this, like just a, just a, a cool guy. So that being said, the trade itself, W for the Pistons, W, www.w.com. You can't you can't ask for any more than this. The, mm, you might be able you might want to ask for like a smidge more, but like not enough where you can be upset about this trade. This is the value of Derrick Rose is what we got. This is a good trade for us. Um. So Derrick Rose traded for the Charlotte Hornets. I almost said Bobcats. The Charlotte Hornets second rounder this year. And Dennis Smith Jr., who the team just officially announced before this is being uploaded, is officially on the team and on the roster and stuff. So um, it's all official. And yeah, so Dennis Smith Jr. and the Charlotte Hornets second round pick. Now, the only thing that could have made this better for me, like within expectation, obviously, is if we got our own second rounder back, that would have been sick. You know what I mean? That would have been like, like, Weaver, you're dope. And like, Weaver's already dope. He keeps that clip empty. But like, that would have been the only thing, within reason, obviously, the only realistic thing that that could have made this slightly, that could have made this a little bit better, just a little bit better, is if we got our own second back. Because the Knicks uh, had our second rounder and the... Bobcats, Bobcats, gosh, they haven't been the Bobcats in like a decade, what am I doing, um, and the Hornets, second rounder, um, so, obviously, we are like one of the worst teams in the league, so if we get our second rounder back, that's like, could potentially be like a, a the first pick in the second round, or at a minimum is going to be a top three pick in the second round, right, so, that would have been awesome. That being said, Charlotte's not that good. And they've gotten off to this kind of hot start and and Mello's LaMelo's balling, you know. He's fun to watch, man. He's fun to watch. He is so fun to watch. All all the the Ball family haters are fuming at LaMelo Ball. Uh 
getting his due diligence. Okay. But um, the pick currently, the Hornets are like in the playoff picture. Now, this is a, a side conversation. I don't think that's going to last. I don't think the Hornets are very good. I would go as far to say I know the Hornets aren't very good. That being said, they're off to a nice little hot start. Um, they're in the playoff picture, so and it's a shortened season. It's only ten games, seventy-two versus eighty-two. It's not like it's not like we're playing forty games and and they have a chance to like maintain this. I don't think. But you know, the more they win now, the harder it's going to be for them to to fall and and for us to make that pick reasonably high. You know what I mean? Um, so. We should all be rooting for the Hornets to lose a lot because we want that second rounder to be a much higher pick. Obviously, that's how trading picks works. Um, the Hornets currently are, I think they're like the seven seed. Yeah, they're eleven and thirteen, which in the modern day Eastern Conference is a seven seed, even though you're two games under five hundred, because that is. The Eastern Conference post what? Post like 06. That's pretty much been the East. I mean, you had the LeBron teams, the Dwight Howard teams of the late 2000s. Yeah, pretty pretty much since like like 2006, 7 ish. Um, the 8C in the Eastern Conference can be like below 500 and you'd probably sneak in. So, at a minimum, for uh, not at a minimum, for what it's worth, I should say, they are currently the 7 seed. Um, that being said, they are only two games ahead of the 13 seed in the East. That's just how bad the East is. The 13 seed in the East out of obviously 15 teams is 9 and 15, the Orlando Magic. And then the Hornets are 11 and 13 and the 7 seed. So like that that's my point. Like that they're off to a hot hot I mean they're under 500. Like comparatively speaking to how well most people thought they were going to be this year, uh, I would say that's kind of a hot start. I mean they're in the playoff picture, sure why not? But um I mean, there's a good chance that this team ends in the 12 to 13 in the East range, uh, which would likely land us. Uh, I mean, the West is a little bit better than the East. Um, that being said, the Timberwolves are horrific. No, the West is still way better than the East. So we'll say that, like, if they fell to, let's say, the 12. In the East. I think that's reasonably realistic. Let's say they fall to the 12 seed in the East. Uh, that would give us the... What? Probably 5th or 6th pick in the second round? Sure. I'll take that all day. Top 7-ish pick in the second. And uh, and Dennis Smith Jr. For Derrick Rose. I love it. I was really only expecting a second rounder for him. Uh, so the fact that we got a good second rounder, a second rounder for a, for a bad team, as well as Dennis Smith Jr. makes me incredibly excited. And and so many people are dumb. So many people are like, oh, well, Dennis Smith Jr. stinks. This doesn't matter. Okay, well, 
Derrick Rose has not been that good. Have you watched Derrick Rose this year? He's in his 30s. Okay? He's in his 30s. He obviously has one of the most injury-riddled careers ever. And he's a bench player for a five-win team. Now, bench player is, I guess, a little bit of a stretch because he plays like starter minutes. But technically speaking, he comes off the bench for a 5-15 and team. The team with the worst record in the NBA. He comes off the bench for them. And he's 30. And he has a massive injury history. And he hasn't played that well. Straight up. Has not been that good this year. So, like, what were you expecting from him? That's why I would have been ecstatic with a second round pick. I would have been super happy just with a second. So, Dennis Smith Jr. is only 23 years old. And is uber athletic. The rest of basketball comes and goes with him, admittedly. But he's a former first-round pick that can jump out of an arena. Okay? Why not? What? With how well Derrick Rose has been playing and how there's no purpose of keeping him on the team, a second-round pick and a guy who's 23 and has raw ability, why not, dude? That's That's a win. That's a massive win. You weren't going to get some all-star for Derrick Rose. You were going to get a project like that. And honestly, looking at the landscape of the NBA, I think a 23-year-old with with extreme athleticism is about as good of a project as you could expect in return for Derrick Rose and getting a second-rounder. You weren't going to get much. I wasn't expecting a player at all. And if you were, you you weren't going to get much better than that, man. You really weren't. Dennis Smith Jr. obviously has had a, a roller coaster of a career. Um, the the shot is, Lord knows, the shot it, it needs some work. But he's an athletic point guard, um, and I think that a a a point guard tandem to end the season of Killian Hayes and Dennis Smith Jr. will be exciting as hell to watch. I think that would be exciting as F. Really, I do. You you get a, a, a rookie facilitator out there half the game and the other half of the game you get you get a project. And look, man, I'm not, you know, actually I am. I'm going to toot this organization's horn a little bit just because of of how rarely I get to do that with any of these teams these days. The Pistons, like it or not, have actually turned some careers around. We have been that destination where people go to to develop their game and get better, and they have gotten better, and that's happened multiple times. Most recently with a certain center in Houston, Christian Wood. Obviously, different position. I totally get it. Point stands. Christian Wood was a freaking nobody. A nobody. Got cut for, like from summer rosters before season started. A nobody. At 25. Came to Detroit. Became one of the most sought-after free agents in the market. And now is putting up borderline all-star numbers at 26. Took him a year. 
I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not going to come on here and say Dennis Smith Jr. is going to turn his career around and be some all-star. But at a bare minimum, you, you, you look at this move and you go, I can see why this makes sense. And, you know, I have hope that he can improve here because we have literally seen people come in and improve here. There's one even on our team, bro. Josh Jackson has been playing incredible ball for most of the year. He went off to a really hot start, came back from his injury, kind of was a little slower, and then the last week has been back into Fuego. So, I don't know, man. I think it's something to be excited. He's going to get opportunity. I would much rather watch him than some of the other point guards we're throwing out there that I know for a fact have no possible future on this team. You know what I mean? Um, I'd rather watch someone who has a small percent chance of turning it around and, and, and being, you know, turning his career around and being on this team in the future than someone who I know has no chance. Way more exciting. Also, he's going to poster some people. So I got a bare minimum when we have that. This is a great deal. This is a great deal. I'm super excited. Um, I it I just don't understand how how you can complain like this is Derrick Rose this is like 2021 Derrick Rose we got a second rounder and a young project how you were expecting anything more than that is beyond me it's ridiculous honestly if you ask me it's absurd for anyone to have gone into D Rose's trade market expecting more than what we got I think it's ridiculous blasphemy some might say this is great this is a great move i'm super excited about it uh and hopefully uh a junior can can lock up and and play here soon because i'd love to see him play especially now with with rose gone and killian still out he's gonna get a lot of pt baby he's gonna get a lot of pt so we'll kind of get right off the bat you know what i mean we'll kind of get uh a look at what we're working with here. So yeah, Dennis Smith Jr., a Charlotte second rounder, and Derek for Derek Rose. Uh, massive W for the Pistons. We should all be very happy. And W. www.www. All right, next, the Detroit Hockey Red Wings played a game last night. Last day yesterday that's the phrase uh i know i know it was the big game of the day there was no sporting event bigger than the detroit red wings against the florida panthers it definitely was bigger than any other sporting event going on on sunday um but if you happen to not watch uh the detroit red wings looked incredible 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 i love it they looked unreal man um they got a four to one victory um let's see we're gonna save him for last because he is probably my favorite player on the team now uh fabry looked fantastic fabry looked unreal good passing good positioning some hits obviously got hit found the back of the neck one net once too uh fabry looked really good Probably his best game of the year so far. Vladdy looked incredible. Probably his best game of the year so far. 
Stahl, I can't believe I'm saying this, Mark Stahl looked passable. He looked like he might be a third-line NHL defenseman, which is unreal. Even if you take out the goal, right? Obviously, he scored. Even if you take out the goal, I think he actually looked like he maybe could be a taxi squatter for an NHL team and and maybe sometimes play third-line D. Like, and you know, from where we were coming from, that's a massive step forward for him. And it doesn't really matter what marks. Like, th- that trade was was solely a salary dump um, so that we could get some pick compensation for taking on his ridiculously horrible salary. So, like, I, you know, I, you almost can't be too hard on him. I don't even listen to my own advice. I'm brutal to him. Um, but But at least at the end of the day, I know that, like, why that trade was made and that, you know, it doesn't really matter how well he plays because we we got what we wanted out of the deal. That being said, he actually looked like, okay. He actually looked kind of decent. Or like he was thinking about being decent. Like that that's how I would describe it. I would describe it as while he was on the ice, he looked like he was thinking about possibly being a decent player at some point that night which I think is more than we can say about the the previous rest of the season <laughs> I'm so <laughs> I don't mean to rip on the guy for absolutely no reason but it's really hard not to he's not good um okay then Grice Grice looked great not only did Grice look great um, Grice is the first goalie for the Red Wings, not named Bernier, to win a game in like, since, since Howard's last win, like a year ago. It's been a long time. It's been a long, long time. And obviously... We had a delayed start to this year, and the season got cut short to last year, so that's a little, a little, eh. But, like, at the same time, we're, like, you know, we're, we're coming up on a month into the season here in a, in a week or so. Like, it's you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like this is the start of the season, and that's a stat. Like, we're, you know, it's wild, man. It's wild to think about that, that it's been that long. Since someone not named Bernier has been in between the pipes for a Red Wings win. It's wild. Wild. Um, also, happy retirement, Jimmy Howard. I think he retired before I started making podcasts. Happy retirement, baby. You got way too much shit over the years. And I'm, I'm happy for you. Happy retirement. Wish him nothing but the best. Um, so, Grice got a win. And he, he looks so good, man. Even when we lose games like four to one and 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 five to one and like seven to probably one, like even even when we get crushed, he he looks good. It's just the defense in front of him has been so bad, so bad. So like, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he finally. You know he's on his head, and he finally gets rewarded for it. Um, and 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 helps those stats out a little bit. It's it's 
It frustrates me to see how well he is between the pipes and see like his 88 save percentage just because of how horrible this defense is. So I'm happy for him at, at least that he gets to um, finally take a shower and, and not contemplate what he's doing in this city and be like, damn, I finally actually won a game. The main story, though, is Giovanni Smith. Giovanni Smith is quickly becoming my favorite Red Wing currently and one of my favorite wings of like the last five years, which probably isn't saying much, but I don't care. I love him. How can you not? I love him to death. He He's playing out of his mind, for starters. Um, in the game yesterday, he had a how hat trick, goal fight assist. Um, I love him. I love him to death. And, and the goal was slick. The goal was nice. The, the biggest thing with him is his passing is crazy good. Like, like, crazy good. It's, it's honestly, it's like, it's, it's, there, there are some times in sports where you look at something and, and you only have to see it a couple of times and you're like, damn, like, that was nice. And his passing is like that, man. You'll just be casually watching on your couch and you'll just be like, oh, that was, that was sweet. That was nasty. He finds people so well. I think he's honestly already one of the best passers on this team when you're talking about passing in front of the blue line in the opponent's zone. He is he is a great facilitator when it comes to passes like that. Um, obviously, he still has a lot of work to do. There's a lot of, uh, I will say, some interesting decision-making sometimes. Uh when, when he chooses to pass to the correct person, his passes are nice, but he doesn't always choose to, to pass to the correct person. Uh, turnovers are still kind of a problem every once in a while. Um, but those are like off the stick. Those aren't really passing as much. Uh, he's he's nice, man. He's nice with it. I, I really like him. I think, I think he is playing into being part of the future plans for this team. And I know, I know we're bad. So like, you know, kind of like what I said about scope and the Tigers. Like, I know we're bad and, and anything kind of looks like something with how bad we are. But like, he he looks really good. He looks damn good. Um, I think also the fight. Well, landed on top, baby. Land on top. For those who follow my Twitter, you know that I'm trying to get my official stat put into HockeyReference.com. The uh, Scott Bentley Fights 1, SBFW. It's where I'm the judge and people are like, oh, what qualifies it? I'm the judge, bro. I decide it. And according to my stat, we're 4-0 in fights this year. Uh, We've had two where we landed on top um we had one that was decisive just like no doubt about it 
one two one time for the one time. I hit you, you hit the floor. Uh, and then we had the Larkin fight, and he's the captain, so he gets the benefit of the doubt in a captain versus non-captain fight. Um, that ends in a draw. He's the captain, so a tie goes to him. So we're 4-0 in fights this year, according to my stat, which is all you should really care about. Um, 100% win percentage in fights. The, this team is good at two things, winning fights and, for some reason, face-offs. We... We'll lose 7-2 to and win face-off 70% of the time in a game. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's Danny DeKaiser, just out of nowhere, is winning face-offs at like a 60% clip for some reason. It's hilarious to me. It's hilarious that we just, um, out of nowhere, you know... A, we win all of our fights because we're built like that. Um, but I, I just think it's funny that uh, that we... I think I said Danny DeKaiser. I meant Glenn Dunning. Danny DeKaiser not taking a lot of... Uh, not taking a ton of face-offs back there. Um, I meant Glenn Dunning. Glenn Dunning, for whatever reason, out of nowhere, is winning... Like 66 or 65% of his face-offs out of nowhere. Which is hilarious to me. Um, I don't know, man. And, and like, this game was like a 50-50 splitter. They might have even won one more than us. And, and we dominated them. We won 4-1 to one and looked incredible. And then if you look at like the last four games that we've just gotten destroyed. Or even over the entire 7-8 game losing streak. We'll, we'll out-face-off a team like 68%. To whatever math that comes, 32%. I don't get it, but I'll take it. You know, at least we're good at something. We win fights fights and face-offs. That's what we do. Besides that, you're pretty much going to dominate us in every other area. But, Giovanni Smith, man, what a, what a, what a baller. What a gamer. Uh, the how hat trick was awesome. The goal was nice. The pass was incredible. The passing was incredible. Um, and yeah, the fight landed right on top of him, right on top of him, throwing him around like a rag doll there in the middle, a little bit in the middle too. There's no doubt he won that, that baby. Um, I think that's probably it for the winged wheels. Um, I'm just really happy Grice finally got a win, man. I am really happy that Grice finally got a win. All right, the Detroit Football Lions. I'm going to start off with the Super Bowl, I think. Just because that just happened is obviously the biggest news in sports. um, Because it's the Super Bowl. Um, Okay. Also, I just got confirmation. Luke Glendening is quite literally leading the entire NHL in face-off percentage one. The entire NHL. For fun. By like 2% too. It's not even like a super close margin. Just for fun. Just decided he wanted to lead the league and, and uh, face-offs won. Okay, the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. Um, I don't, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because at the end of the day, there's still some line stuff to talk about. But 
Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback to ever walk on a football field. At, at It's as simple as that. He's the greatest of all time. Tom Brady has more rings than any other franchise in NFL history. So if you're ranking, right, if you're going through and ranking how many Super Bowls every franchise has, franchise, teams have, Tom Brady is one with seven, and then there's a three-way tie for second between the Steelers organization, the Cowboys organization, and the Patriots organization in which Tom is responsible for all of theirs. And, and, dude, like, the whole, yes, his defense was unreal yesterday. Unreal. And the Chiefs O-line blew. And they took advantage of that. That Buccaneers defense was unbelievable today. They played the game of their lives. Yesterday. Not today. <laughs> yesterday. They, they did. And they absolutely deserve credit. If, if MVP could go to a group of people, the entire defense should have won MVP. Probably over time. Oh, over time. Over Tom. Sure. I, 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 yes, the defense was unbelievable. But the notion of like he, he was carried because in, or like his last two Super Bowls, he hasn't given up a touchdown like he's carried or whatever. Bro, he has more rings than any other franchise ever. If it was possible to get carried by a good defense, a lot more quarterbacks would have this many rings. A lot. Like, it's impossible to make that argument when he literally has more rings than any other team in the entire NFL. That's just an absurd argument. He he's he's the goat, and he's coming back next year. Um, yeah, he's the goat, man. But that defense deserves its credit, undeniably. That defense deserves a hell of a lot of credit. Jason Pierre-Paul, what what a what a career. He's a young lad. With the Giants, when they're making you know their Super Bowl runs and going deep into the playoffs, and then he he blows his hand off basically, finds second wind in Tampa, and is now like you could argue a borderline premier pass rusher in this league again. Like good for him, man. What what a story! And that linebacking core, that whole front seven is nasty. Also. Nindamakan Sue, Super Bowl champion. That makes me so happy. Gosh, that makes me so happy. Now that he's won a ring, he should come home, huh? He should come home. Sue. Sue squad, baby. I went to the Packers-Lions Thanksgiving game. Was it Thanksgiving. I went to a Packers-Lions game Sue's last year in Detroit. And I fumbled into these tickets. These are like family and family friends had... Uh, actually, it was... I think it... 
I don't remember. I don't remember. I barely remember what I had for breakfast this morning. Uh, someone in my family got, uh, on my mom's side, got uh, tickets that got us into a suite. And so me and my sister are up there in the suite and we're just like amazed by the fact that we're in a suite at Ford Field again in a Packers game. And we look to our right and the suite directly next to us is an Indomitian Sioux family. And they all have flags and stuff and eye paint that says Sioux Squad on it. And it's like his mom and his like his like family family is all right there. It was one of the craziest things. Um, so I'm really happy for him. I'm I'm really happy for Sue. He's also had a had a hell of a career, and that you know, at one point was one of the most hated athletes in the sport. So I'm happy that he got his due, um, and that he is he is a Super Bowl champion. Nandamakin Sue, baby. Oh, that makes me so happy. Okay, moving on from the Super Bowl. Like I said, don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, you know, everybody's covering it, and. We got some line stuff to actually talk about. For starters, Calvin Johnson, first ballot, Hall of Fame. Yes. Put on the board, yes. So happy. Don't need to spend too much time on this either. Just wanted to acknowledge it and say, it's obviously it's deserved. But I really hope that Sheila and him can can work something out, man. Because it, it is so sad to hear him talk about the Detroit. Because every single time he talks about how much he loves the fans and how they are the greatest people he's ever met and that Detroiters are, are more of a home than his actual home and, and, and how much he loves all of us. And then he talks about the organization, and he talks about it like I, I can't even find a comparison. You can you can feel the hurt, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He talks about it so negatively, and 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 it you can tell that he's so offended. He's offended to have been part of that organization. Offended. And on the Hall of Fame, you know, night where he got inducted, um, he was asked about the relationship with the Lions. And, he, you know, encouraging words, he said that him and Sheila have had some conversations and they're working toward having a better relationship going forward. Just pay the man his fucking money. Gosh. That that gets me so upset. Pardon my French. I, I know I said I was going to try to swear less, but gosh, that makes me so upset. Pay the man his effing money. Ridiculous. Embarrassing franchise. Embarrassing. Probably the second best player to ever play for you. You owe him in what... In in the Ford family, you owed him chump change. What he is owed is literally chump change to the Ford family. You own an NFL franchise, bro. Gosh, that pisses me off so much. Pay the man his freaking money. Unreal. Um, so, 
That being said, Hall of Fame, I'm so happy for him. He is the greatest wide receiver of all time. Argue with a freaking brick wall. Greatest wide receiver of all time. Best to ever do it. Best wide receiver to ever walk on a field at any level. Greatest of all time. At me. See if I care. At me. All right. Now, Calvin, Hall of Fame, greatness. First ballot, more than deserved, yes. Calvin's quarterback, not John Kidna, not Dan Orlovsky, Matthew Stafford <laughs> is, uh, is now a Ram, obviously. And the report being that he is attracting players to come play for him in L.A., the big one, the noteworthy one that is confirmed already by like every news source in America is Marvin Jones. Now, do I need Marvin Jones back on this team in 2021? Absolutely not. Marvin Jones is amazing. I love him. He seems like an, an unbelievably cool human being. Uh, and on a personal level, I, I love him to death. He was on those Bengals teams that I loved as well. Um, and then obviously came here and, and made me love him even more. Great guy. Um, that being said, I don't need a slow veteran wide receiver on my rebuilding team. I really don't. Now, we're going to have to get somebody because we have like no none of our wide receivers are under a contract past this year, I'm pretty sure. So we're going to have to get somebody. We're going to have to get some receivers. Um, but Marvin Jones not staying in Detroit, is I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I wish him nothing but the best. I hope if he goes to L.A. that him and Stafford win together. That'd be amazing. It'd be an awesome story for, for obviously, the two of them, but honestly for Detroit. Um, but I I don't need him on my football team and, and, and coming up in the year of 2021 fall of 2021 i'm not losing sleep if marvin jones isn't on my roster okay i'll start with that the other thing i'll say is this what does it say about an organization where you can have a quarterback for 13 years and not once was there a single report of anyone who went, damn, I really want to play with nine, so I'm going to go to Detroit. And the, he hasn't even played a game in LA yet. He's been a Ram for a week. Basically, the day he is traded to the Rams, there's an entire article written about the fact that players really want to play with him and he's attracting names. What does that say about you as an organization? It's embarrassing. Again, we talked about it with the Calvin thing. That is embarrassing. Embarrassing, man. Um, the only other thing with Stafford that also came out, uh, offers that were made for him are starting to slowly trickle out. So we heard the Carolina one last week. Um Without a doubt, we made the right decision. You can go listen to my opinion on that um, in episode four. 
made the right decision. Glad we took the deal we did. Um, that being said, the new one uh, was an uh, was a, our initial offer to the Rams. Uh, apparently, we asked about Aaron Donald. And and look, man, people tried to clown us. That <sighs> it's, people are just ridiculous. Um, they were never gonna say yes to that, obviously, ever, ever, ever in a million years. But you you have to figure out where the ceiling is. That's like literally how negotiations work. You have to figure out what the 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 highest possible offer is. If you start too low, then they look at you and go, okay, yeah. And then you're hosed. So you have to start ridiculously high and then slowly work down to where that's literally just how negotiate. I'm not some master negotiator, but I'm just, it's ridiculous for people to be like, wow, Holmes is a freaking idiot. Why ever would he ask that? What a moron. The Lions GM's a dumbass. Like, that's literally just how any negotiation works. Now, you know, you have to stay a little bit in reason or else they just laugh and hang up at you. That's that's Alavila syndrome right there. Asking for Glaber Torres for Matt Boyd. You know, but... You're, you're, you know, a top 10 starting quarterback for one of the best defenders of all time is uh, obviously uh, far way away from being a fair deal. Um, and they told us that, and then we worked down and got us the price we wanted. It's, uh, it's, it, it's, it was a story that, that I think was, was blown way out of proportion. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's a reflection of how he is as a negotiator, as a trader. Uh, we got a fantastic deal. So it's definitely not, you know, a reflection of if he's a poor judge of talent or not, because we got, uh, an incredible deal in return, you know, two first and a third is obviously you go listen to my opinion on that. I'm, I'm ecstatic about the return we got. So, um, you know, it's just funny to me how, how he was clowned for that. Like, like they were never going to say yes, but like, you know, you got to ask, right? Imagine if they did, we'd be constructing a statue already. You know what I mean? Um, so that, that I think was a ridiculous story that should not have even really been a story, but it was an excuse to, to make fun of the lions. So, (coughs) excuse me, people took it and ran. Um, uh, that being said, I'm still super, super happy about the return, man. I'm still ecstatic. I think that uh, we got great value, and like I talked about in the last couple of episodes, I think that that is the type of deal that gives you a lot of flexibility. You can move up this year. You can stand pat this year. You can move up next year. You can stand pat next year. You can move up the year before, the year after, rather. Um, there's There's a lot you can do. There's a lot you can do with the deal that we got. Um, also I'm going to talk about this more at length on Wednesday's show, but I am slowly, it takes a lot to change my mind. As you guys can tell, I'm a little late to the party in some of these takes. I am slowly starting to believe that we might just have to take a QB no matter what. 
I'm not there yet. I'm really not. I'm very far from being on that point, actually. But I guess my point is I'm slowly starting to think that uh, I think I said in episode four that there's no way that four or five quarterbacks uh, go in like the top five picks or top, geez, top 10 picks. Uh, so that's why I said like I'm not adamant on taking a QB at seven because um, we can take a chance on someone in two or three. Um, I don't know. The market's heating up a little bit on QBs. As we get closer to draft time, it's probably only going to get even more and more uh uh, heat up more and more because it is quarterback. Um, I'm slowly starting to think that that might have been a wrong take and that there's a legit chance that that four quarterbacks go in that top 10 range. Which, if that is true, we might just have to say screw it and just take best QB available at seven. I don't know yet, though. I don't know yet. We still got a long ways to go. I'll talk about it more in depth on Wednesday, um, but uh, you know, listening to some people who are who are m- much smarter than me um, in the football world talk about it, I'm I'm slowly getting there. Still not at, not even close to being there, but I'm I'm thinking about plugging in the address in in Google Maps and possibly debating on going there. Okay, not there yet though. All right, that'll do it for the Lions, which means that'll do it for the show. Thank you so much for listening. The support continues to be unreal. I continue to love doing these, and I will continue to do these because of that. Um, so many people reach out after every episode I publish, honestly, and, and just make me feel uh, uh, very appreciated. So it, it's incredible. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. We are on pretty much anything uh we are on we're now on google podcasts we are on apple podcasts we are on podbean and we are on youtube we're on anything youtube you know you want to see my beautiful mug that's that's your fault (laughs) um so we're on everything be sure to rate five stars if you're on a platform that allows you to rate that you know not all of them do for whatever reason i don't know podcast industry is weird so be sure to do that thank you so much you can write a review and call me an idiot that's more than welcome uh at least you're writing a review you know what i mean you know i kind of get credit for that so go for it um besides that thank you all for listening i will see you all again on wednesday um yeah peace and love going to therapy is dope go detroit sports baby see you wednesday